I want to talk to you about what Jesus says about the Spirit, who he is, what he does, why it matters. But this is what you need to know. He is for everyone. We are a royal priesthood belonging to God. It's not just the person at the front. It's you. And sometimes we don't think it is for whatever reason. And really, if there's anything I would like you to take away from this message today as we look at the book of Acts in a moment, I want you to know that the Holy Spirit came to impact every area of your life in every believer. No exceptions. The reason why we don't always see the things of the Bible, experience them, or find ourselves changing and growing is because we sometimes have a diluted version or understanding of what it means to be a Christian. We've made it about so many other things other than what Jesus said it was about. It's about knowing him and the power of his spirit. That is what it's about. We're in, as has been shared today, we're in dark times. I do believe that in our nation and many nations. I know it's not like it's never been this way before. However, you feel it. You see people seeming, you know, they look lost, buying things they don't need with money they don't have, just to make themselves a little bit happier. Just looking lost. If you go to a retail park, man, people look really lost. And um, what about us? We sit on the answer. We sit on the thing that changes it all. The thing that matters, the thing that makes a difference in the world, the indwelling presence and power of the spirit. Nothing is bigger than that. People have got a lot of questions right now, but we've got the answer. We've got the answer. Hallelujah. Jesus said this, you will receive power from on high when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. If he said it to them, he says it to us. Jesus came to light a fire on the earth. And he said, oh, how I wish it was already kindled. God, our God is a consuming fire. Do you understand that? He is a consuming fire. He came to consume it all. Fire does three things, doesn't it? It burns, it purifies, and it illuminates. It does those three things. The spirit himself does that and i want to take us to the word of god today and i want you to if you're at a position where you're hungry for more i think many of us are here today let's look at what the word of god says and let's go forward really go forward on a corporate level and a personal level with the lord see you cannot deny this the whole the early church had power collectively had power in a way that we don't understand and We've got to get back to what it means. We've got to move forward into what God is saying to us and not just do things how it has been before. Even under the guise of Pentecostalism, sometimes it's powerless. And we need to go forward in what God says. So let's look at the book of Acts. Are you ready to read the word of God today? Come on. Book of Acts. We're going to go verse by verse from verse 37 today. The Apostle Peter has given his sermon to the crowd after the Holy Spirit has descended on the day of Pentecost. They're speaking in new tongues, the languages of the people there from around the world. They're seeing, they're hearing the wind. There's all kinds of supernatural signs happening. 
And from this time, of course, they don't understand what's happening. So Peter explains Jesus, who Jesus really is, explains the gospel, and explains the coming of the Holy Spirit. And then you get to verse 37. It says this, now when they, this is the crowds, when they heard this, this message, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? You see, people are asking questions. This is a point I want to make to you. People are asking questions, but they're not always asking the right question yet. Because this is the question, is how, how do we respond to the gospel? People don't know that they need to respond to the gospel. Do you know that? People don't instinctively know that there's a response. You see, many people that you know have been in and out of churches, have read a Bible, have been to Christian school or Sunday school, but they don't know what to do with it necessarily. And the Peter and the apostles were in a position to explain. Peter, Peter had been given the keys of the kingdom, and so had the other apostles, to let people into the kingdom. But how we do that is through the preaching of the word. People need to know. People are asking lots of questions like, how do I get my children off drugs? How do I, uh, whatever, right? They're not always asking the question yet. But if we, can lead, if we can show them that there are answers in the word of God, then eventually they'll say, what do I do with God now? And you could be in a position leading people to faith, many people to faith in your lifetime. There's no reason why that shouldn't be the case. The power of God showed up to bring conviction, but he also brought a demonstration of his power as well in various different ways from that point on. Why? Not to highlight a ministry or a minister, but to bring attention to Jesus. The Holy Spirit brings people to Jesus. Do you understand that? He bears witness to Jesus. Come on, are you with me today? The Holy Spirit doesn't just testify to a person, an anointed person. It points to the anointed one. That is why he's here. And that's really what we're called to do. We're called to be used by the Holy Spirit in the way he's called us to be used. To let our light so shine before men that they'll praise our Father in heaven. Hallelujah. When I was preparing this message, I, I, um, uh, I listened to an American pastor who did a sermon last Sunday. He's talked about how there's 279 million Pentecostals in the world. So that's 3.49% of the world's population. It's a lot, isn't it? Now, we're not the only denomination that believes in the power of the Spirit. But we're a denomination that identifies with the day of Pentecost and the Pentecostal experience of the baptism of the Spirit. That's 3.49% of the population. The apostles... And those with them praying up until the day of Pentecost were 120. And this American pastor, Don Sanderson, reckoned that that was one, it was a 59 millionth of the world's population at the time, compared to 3.49 million today. And that 120 turned the world over. So it's not simply about the numbers, it's about the power. It's about being in position. And it's amazing because I heard this sermon this week as I was preparing and uh, I feel, uh, he read my notes as well, I think. Um, he was talking about how Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, had appeared to, to 500 people, it says in 1 Corinthians, after his resurrection. But you get to the day of Pentecost, and there's only 120 waiting for the coming of the Spirit. Just 120. And then compare that to all the crowds that had followed Jesus before as well. 
So they are what you call the remnant, what's left, those holding on to the promises of God to the last minute, you know, and, and they might have wondered, when's it going to come? When's the, when's the filling going to come? When's the, you know, they didn't know what they were waiting for, really. But throughout generations, there's been many other groups of people in all Christian circles and traditions who've seen this in the word of God and held on to it. Many, many different traditions, ones that are quite traditional now, and maybe even speak against this doctrine, but at one time were on fire with the power of the Holy Spirit. The Methodists, the Wesleyans, they believed it. They saw it. They saw things that were, were on a different scale. You know, John Wesley preached to the crowds in the fields and the power of God would fall on people. He'd cast out demons and, and all of these things that you see in the book of Acts, New Testament Christianity, you know. Other, other groups as well, the Quakers, believe it or not, at one point were on fire and spoke in tongues, records of them speaking in tongues as well. It's not all about speaking in tongues, but people think, oh, when's that? That's never, there's no record of that since the early church. And there's plenty of it. There's plenty of it. Even in the church fathers, there's records of people speaking in tongues. It's way after the apostles. So listen, this is for today. The Holy Spirit will convict. People will ask the question, and then we can lead them to the answer, which is verse 38. Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Spirit. We can say, like I said, lots of people believe, have heard lots of things about Christianity. Do you understand that? They've heard lots of Bible verses. But this is the point of decision where people need to know. They need to call on the name of Jesus. You need to call on the name of Jesus if you haven't done so already. So it's faith in Jesus, who he is, who he really is, that he wasn't a crucified criminal. He is the Lord and Messiah and resurrected king. And you're either in union with him or rebellion against him. You're right. That's, there's, there's, no, there's no in between. Faith and repentance. The crowds, these crowds, many of them had shouted crucify him just a few weeks before this time. But now the Holy Spirit has come testifying to Jesus test that he is who he said he is. And this is what happens when the Spirit convicts, when people are ready. You can ask, ask people, you can tell people what they need to do. People say, that's ramming your religion down their throat. Listen, of course there's manipulation. Of course there's, you know, there's, there's things that we could do that we shouldn't. However... Why are we so afraid to tell people? <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Peter had become emboldened by the Spirit. He'd been transformed. You can be emboldened by the Spirit as well. You might think, I could never find myself in that position of telling people, leading people to faith. Listen, you can't, but the Spirit can. Amen? The Spirit in you can transform you and make you bold. The early church, Acts 4, they prayed, make us bold. So it's a good prayer to pray. The Holy Spirit will make you a witness for Jesus. And he will make you bolder to proclaim Jesus. Are you with me? But the part about baptism, you see, it's not the water that saves you. It's faith in Jesus, public confession in Jesus that saves you. And uh, I've got a friend of mine who, he was a Muslim. And he, he came to faith. And his family were kind of okay, not okay with him, but... 
they weren't too upset with him while he started to call himself a Christian. They thought, well, we'll see how this fad plays out. And then he said, I'm going to get baptized. Oh, weren't happy at that point. And even I think the imam called him the night before and said, don't, don't do it. Don't do it. And, but no, no threats ever came his way. However, he is a Holy Spirit man now. And he lays hands on the sick other Muslims, his old friends, and sees them healed. Yeah. And the Holy Spirit has emboldened him. He'd had every reason to back down. And you know what? There is a lot of cultural baggage with Christianity and church and so on. But guess what? There's a lot of mistrust for every institution at the moment. So we do have a chance to turn the tide and show people, actually, you know what? There's something real here. When I talk to young people, teenagers, if I ever get the chance, about the miracles I've seen or whoever, they are listening. They are listening. And so identifying with Jesus in baptism is a public acknowledgement of him jesus said you must confess me before men so is it the water that saves you no it's jesus that saves you but this is what he's called us to do a simple act it's a simple act but it's big spiritually there's a social rejection that comes with it but the early church knew about that as well amen and and that's for us Calling people to repentance, you know, it sounds like an archaic word, doesn't it? Repent. But it means to change your mind. It means to see Jesus for who he is. And we can help people see Jesus for who he is. When people have been healed, when people have had an encounter with God, they have a new perspective on Jesus. And so that's why the signs follow those who believe. The signs follow the preaching of the gospel. Because you're talking about a Jesus who's loving, who's, who will forgive you and receive you. And in the midst of doing that, either before or after he will, he will show himself in that time. And it won't be your mere words that people put their faith in. It'll be in the power of God and the encounter. And so let's never divorce the workings of the spirit, the workings of the kingdom of God from the preaching of the gospel. Amen. Always believe when you're sharing with someone that God's going to do something to reach their heart. The most hardened atheist, I know, one of, you know, a former colleague of mine, God came to him in a dream. And in the dream, I was going to an airport and he was going to a different airport. And I couldn't go to where he was going. And I said, he's like, I had a dream last night. He, tell you what, we never talked like that. I was going to an airport and you were going to a different airport. I couldn't go to where you're going. I said, you know what that means, don't you? It means you got to, means you got to get on my plane with Jesus. And uh, he, I think he, pretty much acknowledged it at that point. That was a sign and a wonder. I couldn't make that up. So the spirit will show up in different ways, not just healings or prophecy, but dreams. Joel too. Yeah, the, 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 the sermon that Peter had preached, he quoted the Old Testament prophecy in Joel too. People see dreams and visions, different ages as well. And you know what? Younger people are so much more receptive to the work of the spirit because sometimes they've got too much theology in the way. Too much kind of what ifs in the way. Hello? What if they don't get healed? Well, children don't always worry about those questions. I, I, told, I don't know if I've shared a, with a few of you before. Uh, a few years ago, I prayed for a boy to be filled with the Spirit. He was nine. And God filled him with the Spirit, like on the spot. He'd become a Christian a year before. And I, I said, just ask Jesus to fill you with the Spirit fill you and baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Now, there was no 
evidence of speaking in tongues at that point. I'm sure it will come at some point. I, I said, in the midst of this conversation, I had a word of knowledge about his mother, that he should pray for his mother for healing. And I said, do you have an issue with this part of your body? And she's like, yes, I have a major issue with this part of my body. And so I'm about to pray for her, and I feel the Spirit pull me back, saying, no, let him pray. So this little nine-year-old boy puts his hand on his mom, and I say, just say these words, in the name of Jesus. And he, you know what children are like? They shout everything sometimes. In the name of Jesus! <laughs> He's a Pentecostal already, you know. <laughs> I command this to be healed. And then he starts going, ah! And I'm like, what? what's happening? The boy's going, and I'm like, this is odd. And she's getting dramatically healed on the spot of this, of this issue. Yeah, it was powerful. Praise Jesus, because I couldn't. Because I was going to be like, oh yeah, I'll pray, you know, I'll pray. And the Spirit's like, let him pray. You just prayed for him to be filled with the Spirit. Anyway, he was saying, ah, and I was like, why are you saying, what's going on? And he said, it feels like rocks. I said, what feels like rocks? His hand felt like rocks. Because the power of God was coming out of his hand. And it was a, a strange sensation. And, and then I started to pray for other people. And guess who was following me? Because some things are caught, not taught. Amen? So you need a, a, a culture of doing these things and people will catch on. Are you with me? What's the difference between being born again, baptized in the Spirit? Some, some people say, you know what, it's all the same thing. But I would say this. It's the baptism of the Spirit. It's everything. You could go a little bit in. It's the baptism right it's the you don't just get filled you go on being filled and the difference is power if you don't have power if you don't have demonstrations of the of the spirit's power then something's been grieved along the way amen so that's why we need to ask you said ask and you'll receive you need to ask and be ready and position our lives for more of the spirit's power flowing through us but i'm born again yes and that is like being saved, regenerated, born again, that is vital. That is vital, and that is the most important thing, because now you're a child of God. But it doesn't end there. Do you know what I'm saying? A lot of churches, that's the end. You're in. Hallelujah. But there's more. And if you, if you believe there's more, hallelujah. If you believe there's more, you can receive more. Come on, you can clap Jesus for that. Come on. <laughs> hallelujah. Verse 39. So, if anyone's still struggling with, it's still not for me, Sam. Verse 39. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off. Everyone. Say it. Everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. That is not just then. That's every generation after this point. In the last days, I will pour out my spirit. Hello, are we still in the last days? Yeah. So it didn't end with then. Some people believe it did. Some people believe that it ended. That's called cessationism. The ceasing of the gifts. The Holy Spirit only saves now. He doesn't do these other things. They were just for that time. You cannot justify that biblically. Nor historically either. And so, here's the issue. That though we believe that, 
though we say, well, what a silly belief, cessationism. But sometimes I wonder if we live like we're cessationists because we don't believe for it still. Theologically, we agree. In practice, on a, on a weekly, daily level, how often do you believe for it? How many people have you led to faith in the last two years? If you're honest, I know we're in a, 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 a country where people are hard, but, but the Jews were hard. They had every reason not to believe, taught not to believe. And yet still, many came to faith. What Jesus said to them, he said to you, because he said, teach them everything I've commanded you. So if he says, you will receive power, he says it to us as well. Amen? Every age, generation, like I said, the Joel 2 prophecy, old men, young men, every, every class of people at every age, not just the person at the front, not just the anointed person. You are a kingdom of priests and kings to our God. You are just as much a priest as I am. And I'm a reverend. And so is Jeff. Amen. That's just Christendom old, old school stuff. Listen, we're all called to be priests, filled with the Spirit. But it's the limits that you've put that's allowed you to get so far. Are you with me? Okay. I'm just blowing up some thoughts here that have held you back. Why does he fill us with the Spirit? Yes, to do wonders. Yes to, yes to all of these things. But it's ultimately to make disciples. Everyone went quiet at that point. To make disciples, to make other Jesus followers is the end goal. That is the great commission. Do you know what? You've heard it said from conferences and churches, we need to do discipleship. You know what? At some point, we're going to just have to do it. I, I, I think about this. We, we read later on in, let's go to verse 40 to 41. With many other words, he... Apostle Peter bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. So the church grew incredibly fast. Okay, The church grew very quickly from this point on. If you divide 3,000 by 120 disciples, that's 25 people each. So theoretically, on the day that 3,000 people came to faith, each of those 120 were discipling 25 people, if it was done evenly. I'm sure it wasn't. In your lifetime, if you discipled 25 people, that would be an incredible achievement. That would be people who came into the faith and were established in the faith because of your time with them. You think, I could never do that. That's just the pastor's job. Who says? Who says that? The pastors and the apostles we talked about are there to equip the saints of the works of service. What's the works of service God's called us to do? To make disciples of all nations. So, come on, I'll preach it. Thanks, Len. Evangelism, yes, but discipleship. Making disciples of Jesus. How many people are you making disciples of Jesus. Do you know what? If 40 people, if it's the average size of a church, right? 40 people made 25 disciples for Jesus. You would have made a thousand disciples. It's amazing, isn't it? To think that because the kingdom of God works in multiplication. You've got to, listen, you, 
got to get busy with this. You've got to get busy with it. And you think, I don't know how I'm going to do it. I don't know when. But you will find a way. Maxine found a way. Gypsies. Won't it? How many people you led to faith in that time? It's never just going to be the same as someone else. The Spirit will lead you in a different direction with different people that the Lord brings to you. But he's bringing to you because he's entrusted them with their growth and understanding of the faith. If you think, I could never do that. Listen, you've limited God and you're limiting yourself in that. Because you already know so much. You know, you think you've got to be a theologian to be teaching people and, and answering people's questions. You don't. You already know, most of you, if not all of you, already know enough. And it will be a creative way. Claire, who was part of our church before, started a, a walking group and would walk with women on the beaches and was leading them to faith almost every week. You know what I'm saying? This, this is what we're called to do. People are going to hell because they don't know. They've not been told. And we're sitting doing church every week and doing what, and it's important. And I'm going to talk about that. That's the last point I'm going to make in a moment. But if it doesn't result in making disciples, then what are we doing? And what are you doing with your time? We're called to look after the home. We're called to look after our family first. And it, that in itself can be a challenge. But at the same time, along the road, God will send people to you that he has asked you to disciple. This wasn't really on my notes today, but I just really feel this. Because so many people are asking, I don't know what God wants me to do. I don't know what God wants me to do. And he's already said what we need to do. You already know so much. Maybe you don't feel equipped for some more of the complex questions. But I tell you what. You can get the answers very quickly. And, uh, and I could you know, always point you in the right direction if you need more equipping in that area. But if you don't feel equipped, if you don't, if you don't feel equipped to do what the early church did in terms of making disciples, or you just simply don't care about it, then something has gone wrong. Okay, This isn't to tell anyone off. This is just to make a statement of how we've got to the point we've got to. Yet, this week, you know, spending people, you know, going on the phone with people, I'm wondering, did my dead relative make it to heaven? And do you know what? It's a sad place to get to. It's a sad place to get to when that, you get to that funeral and you think, who was even reaching out to them in their final years? And yet there are literally millions of Christians in the world. Do you see that? Can you hear the point I'm making? That, that it's simply just inactivity, and all kinds of mindsets has got us to the point we've got to. And what it's led to is people profaning the name of Jesus rather than it being the talk of the town. Hallelujah. It could be the talk of the town again. Amen. This is the final verse. Are you with me? Have you got something out of this? All right. Verses 42 to 43. This is the ongoing life of the church then. It continues. Verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the many and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. Amen. These are the spiritual disciplines of our faith. Earlier on, Nigel shared a picture of a campfire and I've been getting this picture of a campfire all week. 
of putting down wood. You know how you make a campfire. Smaller pieces of wood, bigger pieces of wood. You can't just put the bigger piece on first. You have to put that on last. So you, you, burn, you burn it from kindling, right, to, to bigger wood and so on. They are the spiritual disciplines. Amen. God will land on the fireplace that we create for him. So they are reading the word, good te- absorbing good teaching, meeting with others, fellowship. Um, fellowship is something we don't always fully understand. I think we think it just means chatting after coffee at the end. It does mean that. It's doing life with people in the faith. Amen. And praying with people and having each other's back. Communion, remembering the Lord's body, that we didn't just get here through our own merit. We got here through the saving grace of Jesus. Prayer, intercessory prayer as well and all kinds of prayer as well for all kinds of things uh so important you know god moves upon the prayers of his people and uh if we're not in a place of consistent prayer then the power of god soon disappears we see the church at that point do many other things they're a generous church they looked after the poor the widow the orphan they really became what israel was meant to be um in terms of god's special peculiar people and they lived it out, truly, the morals of the Old Testament. They lived it out as they looked out for the poor, the widow, the orphan. And God just blessed that and God kept showing up in mighty ways. Amen. He will do the same. But let's never put a limit on him. If we maintain the spiritual disciplines that God's called us to, we create an atmosphere for God to move in. And an atmosphere that God cannot help but bless. Where there is unity, commands a blessing. Amen.